Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. In the Old Testament, fire came out from the presence of the Lord. Leviticus 9.24 says, And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Fire comes out of God's presence. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10. Daniel has a vision of God in heaven and he sees the Ancient of Days seated on a throne and it says his throne was fire and out of his throne and out of his presence proceeded a stream of fire, a fiery stream. Can you imagine God's presence? Imagine you got to heaven. If you read the book of Revelation and Ezekiel and Daniel, whenever it talks about heaven, there's fire involved. There is fire in God's presence. When John saw Jesus, he was shining bright and his eyes were like fire. There, there is fire coming out of God's throne and out of his presence, a fiery stream. And in the Old Testament, the Israelites were told, if you build an altar just like this, God's fire will come out of his presence onto the altar and consume the sacrifice. And they did it. And then Moses was told, if you go up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, and you do things exactly right, my fire will come. And fire fell on Mount Sinai, and the whole mountain was shaking. And there was fire and smoke, and it was terrifying, a terrifying experience. And then in 2 Chronicles 7, Solomon was told, if you build the temple just like this and put all the pieces of furniture in place, my fire will fall. And in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 1, God's fire fell on the temple. You know, the pillar of smoke and fire that led Israel around in the desert for all those years, did you know what that was? It was God's presence, His fire, resting on the tabernacle, the, the special holy of holies in the tabernacle. God says, I will speak to you and meet with you between the cherubim above the Ark of the Covenant in the holy of holies. And His presence was like this massive fire, but in the day it looked like smoke, and at night they could see, oh, it's fire. But it was God's presence resting in the holy of holies. And we hear that and we say, wow, I would love to see the fire. James and John, the, the sons of thunder, Jesus' disciples, wanted to call down fire when a town didn't follow Jesus. They said, shall we call down fire on them and burn them up? And Jesus said, you have no idea what you're talking about. Because there's something really important that I want us to get today. In the Old Testament, the fire came out of God's presence onto the sacrifice, the furniture that had been prepared by humans. And they tried their hardest to get the furniture right. And sometimes the fire wasn't there and they cried out to God, Lord, we need the fire again. So in the Old Testament, there was a time when it says we're going to write the word Ichabod. The glory has departed because God's fire is no longer with us. But in the New Testament, let me ask you, where is God's presence 
in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God's presence was between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Where is that place? Can we travel there today? Can we go to a place in America or a place in Japan or whatever and find God's presence? Can we do that? Where is God's presence today? And where does that fire come out? And why don't we see the fire anymore? I've got a secret to tell you. In the New Testament, God's presence, if you are a believer, if you've seen Jesus dying for you, that fire is in you. And it is the most astounding fact that actually... God's presence is not here and taken away and here and taken away. It's permanent. It's not depending on human goodness. It's depending on Jesus fulfilling all the, the requirements of the sacrifice. It's not coming from outside onto something. It's within us and it comes out of us onto something. First of all, onto me. It's in my spirit. It comes out, first of all, onto my mind, will, and emotions. Then onto my physical body, and I see healings and changes happening. And then it starts to affect my work, my family, my relationships, my finances, uh, the government of my land, everything around me, because God's fire is proceeding out of me. So, let's just go through those verses one more time. Leviticus 9.24 in the Old Testament. Fire came out from God's presence and consumed the sacrifice. Daniel 7, verse 10. There is a, a fiery stream coming out of God's presence. And then in the New Testament, there are many verses I could share with you. Let me share a couple. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. He says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit's fire. What is he talking about? He says, There's a fire within you but you can, and this is mind-blowing to me. Can you imagine the Israelites trying to quench the fire on Mount Sinai? This mountain, a whole mountain's on fire. It's shaking. There's lightning and thunder, earthquakes, uh, smoke. There is trumpets sounding. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. Can you imagine them trying to quench that? But because the fire's inside you, and God never forces anyone to do anything. He says you can quench this power, this fire, this force of God's fire that's in you. You can quench it. The word quench means you put it out. You snuff it. You, you, you keep it down. And that's, a, that's an incredible, crazy thought. You've got this fire within you. Ephesians 1 says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you would see the power that's in you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. He says that power is in you, that fire, that force, that energy. But you can quench it. It's in you, and it wants to come out. It's a fiery stream. <laughs> God wants to change your work situation, your family life, all these different areas around you. God is pushing out to say, I want to push my fire out through you. And many of us are stuck in the Old Testament. We think, no, no, God's got to come and do it. He says, I'm wanting to do it through you. We think, I've got to earn it. He says, just release it. Just let it out. But we can quench it 
by ignoring the promptings of the Holy Spirit and ignoring what God's doing inside of us and instead letting fear and the physical world around us and other people guide us and tell us what to do. But he wants to just burst out of us. Amazing stuff. A couple of other scriptures. I don't have time to go into them in detail. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 to 18, Paul talks about the old covenant where there was glory from Mount Sinai. The glory of God fell upon Mount Sinai and God wrote on tablets of stone. He says, the glory that's in you is greater. He says, the glory shone onto Moses's face and it was fading away but for us we look in a mirror at the glory of God and we're being changed from glory to glory it's it's like we look in a mirror because the glory is in us and we look at God and we just shine brighter and brighter and it doesn't go away he says if there was glory in that covenant there's so much more in this one the fire in you is greater than the fire in the Old Testament but it's an internal fire one more scripture on this and then I'll move on. Hebrews chapter 12. Again, I'm not going to read the whole passage to you. But he says, you have not come to a burning mountain that can be touched. Let me read it to you. I know I said I wasn't going to, but it's a good, good idea. Hebrews chapter 12. He says, verse 18, You have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, to blackness, darkness, tempest, the sound of a trumpet, the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded. There was so much fire and glory. But he says, you haven't come to something that can be touched. And then he says, you have come. To Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable company of angels, the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling. He's saying it's a spiritual thing now. And then later on he says, the, the mountain was shaken, but now there's no more shaking because it's not about things that are made that can be shaken. It's about spiritual things that cannot be shaken. And our God is a consuming fire. The last verse, verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. We've still got the fire, but it's an internal fire. And many Christians are running around looking for external glory and external signs. And I feel like shaking them and saying, the fire's in you. It's in you. But we say, no, no, I'm not good enough. It can't be in me. I've got to go and find Brother Amazing to pray for me because that's where the fire is. And God says, it's in you. It's not because you're good. I've put it in you. The fire's there. And you say, but I'm not feeling it. I'm not sensing it. I, I, I'm not understanding it. He says, you're quenching the fire. Just allow it to come out. Now I want to talk about something slightly different and then I'm going to pull it together at the end. So Paul the Apostle had a young protege called Timothy. And he calls Timothy his son. Um, uh, he, he calls him some amazing things. 
and he sent Timothy. You know the books of First and Second Timothy in the Bible were he sent Timothy to a church called Ephesus, a town called Ephesus, which was a massive church. It had been born in miracles. In Acts chapter 19, it talks about even handkerchiefs were taken from Paul and laid on the sick and they were healed. It talks about people getting set free from demons to such a degree that a huge bonfire was burnt in the middle of the city to burn all their magic books because God's power was there. It talks about uh, the miraculous happening so much that everyone started trying to cast out demons, even non-Christians. And the word of God spread so the whole province of Asia heard the word of the Lord because of the miracles that were being done in Ephesus. There was fire in Ephesus. And years later, Paul sends Timothy to that same church. It's got a big congregation. There's lots of elders. And Timothy is a young, timid man who's been Paul's men, uh, mentor, mentee. He's been brought up under Paul. And Paul sends him there, even though he knows Timothy is timid and young and weak and all sorts of issues. But he sends Timothy there. And he says in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, if I am delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. He says to Timothy, I'm sending you there to this church that was born in fire so that you will know how to conduct yourself. And then he, he mainly focuses on Timothy raising up leaders and he calls them elders some translations translated bishops and deacons. And so in Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, he talks about this. 1 Timothy 3 verse 1. And he says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, and he goes on and on. And then he talks about deacons, and he did the same with Titus, who was another son in the faith of his in the book of Titus. And what I'm wanting to show you is that even though the fire is within us, it was within Paul, and then it was within Timothy because he says later, I laid hands on you and there was a fire that was birthed within you. And even though the fire was in the church in Ephesus, there was still a need for furniture. And when I say furniture, what I'm saying is there, there has to be a way for this fire to burst out of us to affect the people around us, the city around us, and our everyday lives. And it's called, the, I call it, the furniture that God wants. So in the Old Testament, they pre prepared the furniture and God's fire came from heaven or from his presence. In the New Testament, the fire's already in us and we line up our lives and our church structure in such a way that the fire flows out powerfully. And I'm going to apply this to church life, but I also want to show you that it applies to your work life, to your marriage, to your family, to every area of your life. So Paul says to Timothy some interesting things. He says, study to show yourself approved, a workman who rightly divides the word of God. He says, even though there's a fire within you, you've still got to study. 
There's some furniture that needs to be put in place to allow this fire to burst out. He says the scriptures are helpful to you and make you wise for salvation. They teach, they rebuke, they correct, they train so that you're fully prepared for every good work. He says even though there's a fire in you, you've got to get the scriptures in you to let this fire out. He says bodily exercise profits you a little bit and it's good for you, but training in godliness is profitable forever. He's saying there's some training you need to do, some furniture you need to put in place, Timothy. And then in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6, he says, stir up the fire. Let me just find it. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. And that word stir up is a Greek word which has the word pyro, pyreo in it, pyrex, uh, pyrotechnics. It means fire. Most other translations say fan to flame. Stir up the flame within you. He says, I remind you to stir up and fan to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Timothy had had hands laid on him and a fire had burst up within him but he still needed to learn and discipline himself he says flee youthful lusts paul says to timothy and uh, set an example in speech in life and love in faith and purity there was this furniture and this process and over many years paul had found timothy when he was a very young man in a town called Lystra or Derby in Acts 16, and he trained him and taken him with him. And many, many years, probably two decades later, Paul releases him to go and be the leader of the church in Ephesus. And what I'm wanting us to see, and I'm really praying that we get this, is that you have the fire of God within you. That's lesson number one. But lesson number two is that we can quench the fire and we can make it almost just of no effect because we don't allow it to flow through us by putting the furniture in place. You know, the fire is working to put furniture in place. We read in Philippians chapter 2 a few weeks ago that God is working in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. The fire is making you want to do his will and able to do his will. There's this fire pushing you to be more like Jesus, but we can quench it, but what we need to do is cooperate with it. And so things start coming out of us like discipline and faithfulness and keeping our word and integrity and righteousness and love and speaking well and not being angry and not flying off the handle and having self-control all these different things start coming out of us and as we allow that furniture to grow the fire the stream of fire that's flowing out of God's throne inside of us pushes out and changes us and changes the world and so then Paul says to Timothy now I want you even though there's fire in this church in Ephesus I want you to appoint elders in the New King James, it calls them bishops, but in just about every other translation, it calls them overseers. And in two other passages, I'm just going to mention this in case you want to look it up later. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, and 1 Peter 5 verses 1 to 4, it's very clear that overseer or bishop is the same as elder, is the same as pastor. It's the same position. It's not different levels of 
church leadership. Bishop equals overseer equals pastor equals elder. Elder was the, the government position in the church. And Paul was saying it's not enough for there to be fire in Ephesus. There needs to be some furniture so that we can steward or channel the fire of God to impact this community. You say to me, why is that important? Because I, in my whatever years of ministry I've had, have come across so many youngsters in the, in the gospel who've had fire from God inside of them. Undeniable fire. And that's not an unusual thing because every Christian has fire. But they haven't put the furniture in place. They've thought the fire was enough. They thought, I don't need discipline. I don't need supervision. I don't need structure. The church doesn't need elders. We don't need organization. The fire is enough. Remember, we're trying to see how does this fire in the New Testament come out of us to change the world. And one of the ways is by having godly structures in place. And I was once in the camp that said we don't need any structures. When I was a young man living in Zimbabwe, there was a group of young Christian men who were strong, energetic, virile young men. And all of us were rebellious. And we said we don't need church structures. We don't need leaders, we don't need elders, we don't need pastors, we don't need buildings, we don't need formats. We just need the fire of God. And all of these church leaders that are trying to tell us to do stuff are just constraining us. And we thought they were quenching the fire. But praise God, God rescued me. He plucked me out of that deception. And I realized they were wrong. And I repented and I went to every single one of them. I said, guys, you're wrong. We need to have furniture so that the fire can be channeled and stewarded properly. You know, the Bible talks about put new wine in new wineskins. There's got to be a wineskin to contain the fire, the power, the, the wine of God. And I said to them, guys, we need to have a godly structure. Just like Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Appoint bishops, elders, overseers whatever you, you want to call them, pastors. And this is the qualifications of them. And he lists all the character traits of them. Why do we need those? Because there's got to be furniture to steward this fire within, within us. And I'm sad to say, it breaks my heart to say, that of all of those young men who had so much potential and so much fire of God in them and could have been used so mightily of God, not one of them is still following the Lord. They went off in weird directions. They either got deceived or they got lazy and they gave up their faith. They got into immorality. They, they just went off the track and none of them is serving the Lord and all of them could have been great servants of God. But they threw off the restraints, the, the guidelines that God has. And so my word is this, friend, you have the fire of God in you. But unless you get the furniture of God's character in place in your life, the fire will never flow out of you properly. Or even if it does, it will not last. It will, there will be no longevity to the fire that flows through you. And a church that just has fire without any godly leadership will not last. It'll fall apart. 
And so I want to just read you some of these qualifications of elders and deacons. This is the furniture that Paul says Timothy must look out for. And you know what? It's really strange because these are not high qualifications. We would say if a person's going to be a, a leader of a church, you know, we use our, our, God, our, our natural thinking and we put it on, on church life and we think there's got to be great gifting. There's got to be great anointing. They've got to be a good speaker. They've got to be very good at understanding the Bible. They've got to, they've got to be able to pray for healing and nine out of ten people get healed. They've got to have all these things in their lives. But actually, all of the qualifications are just character qualifications to make a wineskin that is strong and stable and righteous enough for God's fire to flow through. So he says, above reproach, respectable, well thought of by outsiders, the husband of one wife, managing his own household and his children well. His children are not debauched, sober-minded, self-controlled, not greedy for gain, not quick-tempered, not quarrelsome, not a drunkard, disciplined, not addicted to much wine, not fond of sordid gain, a lover of good, above reproach, examples to the flock, not greedy for gain, upright, holy, men of dignity, not double-tongued or gossipers, gentle, not quick-tempered, not quarrelsome, not arrogant, hospitable, not a recent convert, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, holding firm to the trustworthy word as taught, tested, and then they can serve able to give instruction in sound doctrine, able to rebuke those who contradict it, able to teach. There's a furniture in place. But you know, if I read that list, most of those are things that every Christian should have. Most of us should be only married to one person, not, not in polygamy. Most of us should not be addicted to wine or drugs. Most of us should be gentle, sober-minded, self-controlled. Those are just normal things. But he says the fire of God is going to flow, but you must find some people and ordain them as elders and deacons, and they must steward or be a wineskin that allows God's power to flow. Now let me apply this to your life. Friend, you have the fire of God in you, but if you don't put godly disciplines and healthy eating and healthy habits in your life, God can heal you again and again and again, but you'll get sick again and again and again. Paul tells Timothy, drink, change your eating and drinking habits because you keep getting sick. You keep having stomach issues, so put a little wine with what you're eating and drinking. He says there's physical furniture involved to cooperate with the supernatural healing power of God. Let me put it another way. If you are wanting to succeed in your job, you can have the anointing of God to be the most creative and productive person and have the ability to make lots of money. But if you can't get up on time, if you can't keep your word when you say you're going to do something, if you gossip and double talk about people, you'll never be able to let that fire of God's prosperity flow out of you. Amen? You can have this gifting to preach or to pray for the sick or all these amazing things, but if you will not allow your character to become furniture formed by God to form a channel or a wineskin, God can't use you in the long term. He might use you for a short time, but in the long term, it will not work. And so, this is my challenge to us. 
we need to put the furniture in place. But then the last scripture is 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. He says, Timothy, I'm reminding you to stir up, to fan into flame the gift that is in you when I laid hands on you. Timothy, you must have all this furniture. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 20, he says, that in, a, in a house there's some pieces of furniture, some vessels that are good and, and lovely and valuable, and there are others that are just wood and useless. He says, get rid of the useless ones in your life so that you can be a vessel of honor. Put the furniture in place, but then he says, but don't ever forget that this flame, don't get too much into the furniture and, and stop the flame from coming up. And so there's this balance. And I need to close with this. Christian, have you got the furniture of allowing God to work through your character? But secondly, is that flame flickering and dying and maybe just a little coal that's about to go out? Where are you at? He says, Timothy, get the furniture, but don't forget the flame. Stir it up. Fan it to flame. You might say, how do I stir it up? Well, you blow on it. <sighs> Have you ever done this? Me and my family do this a lot. I don't know why it is, but we often find ourselves in winter sat in front of the fireplace blowing on the flames to try and get them to come alive again. You blow on it. You, you allow the Holy Spirit to work. You go into prayer, into worship. You speak in tongues. You blow. You allow the wind of the Spirit to come. You get into corporate meetings where God's Spirit is moving and you allow the embers to come back to life. That's the first thing. Number two, you get close to other embers that are on fire. You know, if you take an ember out of the fire and you put it on its own it will go out but if you put it back with the others that are burning it catches light again stir to flame by getting close to others who are passionate for Christ if you exclude and isolate yourself from the body of Christ you will not be an effective Christian and then lastly you you stir it up by actually focusing on it and poking it with a stick and saying let's do this thing again I used to witness on the streets. I used to pray for an hour. I used to go and lay hands on people and, and be led by the Spirit. Let me start doing it again. And you get yourself going manually. You say, let me restart what I used to be doing. Paul had prayed for Timothy, laid hands on him, and the fire of his gift had come. Paul says to Timothy, don't let it go out. And so I'm praying for us today. Brothers and sisters, it's a balance, this message today. God's fire is in you, but if you don't get the furniture in place, that fire will never come out fully. Or if you focus too much on the furniture and you forget the flame, you will be ineffective as well. And I'm praying that we don't fall into either one of those camps because my desire is for Lighthouse to be like the temple in the Old Testament, but the New Testament version, where fire is flowing out of each one of us, but when visitors come in, the fire of God is evident in our midst. And it's not coming from the front, it's coming from each one of us. The fire of God is bursting out, and God's power is evident in our midst. We're going to look in future weeks at how to get that fire in our corporate meetings and how that works and what we practically have to do to allow that fire to burst out of us. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com 
or lighthousejersey.com.